Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And welcome to an extra special first of the new year edition of The Coaching Show. My name is Christopher McCollum, Master Certified Coach. With me as, as a constant companion these days is Alex Terranova, Professional Certified Coach. Alex, uh, you are available at the Dream Mason. You do now two or three other podcasts. You're the author of a book, Fictional Authenticity. What else should the people know about you? I mean, I just made you just made me feel like I don't do enough. Like there should be more. <laughs> yeah, I have um coaching uh, yeah. I have a, a really wonderful coaching practice. Um, I have uh, some a course called Fictional Authenticity. I partnered with you and we created a great course called Get Loud for people that want to, especially right now it's for coaches, but coaches that want to get louder, amplify their voice in the world, be able to create podcasts, write speeches, things like that. Um, great, great yeah, course. And uh, I'm about ready. It's it's where we've been working on it for a while where uh, I have a partner that I'm working on a, I want to call like a, a spiritual energy, kind of all the things in life that we don't, we can't see, but we know that are there a podcast called the frequency shifters, where we're bringing on people that are experts in like energy and science and quantum physics and, and really digging into those topics, which has been super exciting because I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And I get to play like the person who literally just is like, give me more information. So there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. How about you? Uh, I'm, uh, 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 here's what I did. I, I, do you still have a hangover from, from New Year's? What's going on? No, I just forgot how to speak English over the holiday. Um, no, I'm good. I, uh, I was thinking about my professional life and I'm going through a big thing right now. As I think I shared with you, I, I did this meditative practice in December. I went through a guided meditation and after uh, arguably months of sort of being, you know, kind of the guy who was just phoning it in, in my life, like everything was sort of under control and we, we got a new house. And so there was the moving drama, but you know, my mojo wasn't there for my, for my career. And I, I know that we coach people on this, right. And I know yeah. that it's a common thing for people who are not coaches, but it was really the first time out of 27 years that um, I was just kind of like, meh, about wow. things. And so, you know, I talked to my therapist and my shamanic healer and my massage therapist and my coaches and everything <laughs> and uh, was just kind of working through it. And then in this meditation, ba-bang, I got this huge vision for the future that I have no idea how to fulfill on. And I'm stoked but also kind of in the beginning place again, you know, I like what you were just pointing to about, Hey, I get to ask all the dumb questions. Cause I'm like the new guy. Right. Yeah. So it feels like, Hey, instead of this role that I've had for 20 some years or ish where I know something and am a, you know, the guy to see now I'm like the guy who doesn't know anything. So that's cool. Can you, can you share more? Or is it like top secret right now? Um, I saw what it would be, you know, I've got a, we've got this wonderful company that does amazing work in training coaches and leaders, leadership development. And I just got a much bigger vision for it. What if, what if we took that into society as a whole, you know, the prison system, mm -hmm. the educational system, the government, like what, what would be possible? And I just got, it was really visceral and very visually clear to me, the path to take, or at least the, awesome. the destination to get to. 
So I'm kind of like, ah. Yeah, I had a really slightly different. um, So for the last two, for the last two years, well, for the last two years, I've done a very like spiritualistic mushroom journey on Christmas. Not Um, ayahuasca, but mushroom on Christmas. Mushrooms, yeah, ayahuasca will be another. This is the mark of a single man. What's your relationship if you don't do mushrooms on Christmas? Um. It's been the last two years. I won't throw out the other person who did it with me, who's done it with me two years in a row. I won't. I won't put them on blast on on here because I don't know if they would want to. But um, I think we know who it is. But we do. We 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 exercise in the morning. We make breakfast. We set an intention. We create some like what we want the experience to be like. You know, we pull cards. We burn sage. There's like a whole. It's it's a it's an experience and. Um, last year it was all outward. We journeyed on outside in nature and we like saw like you would look at people and be like, Oh my God, they look so loving. Or, you know, we had this very like connected experience. And this year it took our bodies completely out. And I spent about two hours lying on the couch, like almost like a mummy and went deeper within than I've ever gone. And when I came out, it was so, and let me actually say when I went in, I was in a full on hallucinogenic, like I didn't want to open my eyes because what was happening with my eyes closed inside was a whole universe. But outside the, the, you know, the ceiling was water and like it was moving around and inside actually felt really nice. So it was pretty incredible to feel good in my body because that's not the experience I've had my whole life. So it, it was really powerful to see that all the work I've done over the last six years has shifted my relationship to myself that I was like, I like it in here. It's wonderful in here. And even when the, nausea feelings showed up or when I saw like when I went through Dante's Inferno and it got really scary I had the presence of mind to go just allow it and let it pass and on the other side would be these beautiful it was like the complete opposite and I would recognize during while I was in that that everything that kept messing me up was from the outside voices from other people noises you know whatever would kind of get in my space and I was so conscious at the same time while I was in that I was like, this is my whole life. I'm unable to be exactly where I want to be doing what I want to be doing because of all the things around me distracting me. What are they thinking about me? How are they getting in my space? And it was so clear that's the next huge breakthrough for me, but also got really clear that like the spiritual path is like the way to it. And it doesn't have to be through like mushrooms, but through I don't know, allowing, leaning back, trust, faith, um, more nature. So I had, it, I, I want to say it was different, right? It's, it's a different kind of vision of my life than yours, but it was a really clear vision of like the kind of way I want to show up and the person I want to be. And it's also a little terrifying because I'm not, you know, I'm not a guru-y where, you know, a, you know, a, I don't even know, like a, like a, a, an orange outfit like that's just not who i am so there's a you know in in his later life marlon brando the actor was sort of famous for like at some point he gave up the you know the lure track suits and moved to just complete caftans you know he was so big that he would just essentially wear a male move version of i don't or maybe maybe move moves don't so have gender i actually met marlon brando right at the end of his life was he wearing a move he, he didn't look great <laughs> let's say uh, that but yeah, I met him at the end of his, at the very, like towards the end of his life. We have to hear this story. Uh, well, it gets better because I was on Neverland Ranch. Um, <laughs> so 
I almost spit up. What happened? <laughs> so I was an adult. You so call adult, somebody? I was, I, was a, I was a full-grown adult, so there's no need to be concerned. But when I was, my, my dad was a, uh, my dad always coached us in sports. And when I was like probably in college and my brother was in high school, my dad, instead of being like the head coach of all the sports at like the park, they named a field after him. He had spent so much time coaching kids there. Um, and obviously it started with me and my brother, but when we were in high school and he didn't coach us anymore, he kept like being the assistant coach for other, for other dads at the park and just helping out. And one of the kids on his team was Marlon Brando's grandson. And so they had a birth, they had his kid's birthday party at the Neverland ranch. And they invited my dad and they said they could bring the, their whole family. And they said that we could bring like a friend. So I was probably like 18 and me and my buddy. Uh, drove out to the Neverland Ranch in my 68 Mustang that ran out of gas on Michael Jackson's property that Michael Jackson's Dude. personal fire department had to give me gas. They have, a, they have a, their own fire department and they pumped gas into my car so I could get back to like civilization after. But um, yeah, we had, so a, great. we had a great. We have to talk about this yeah. separately. I had a 67 Mustang. We have to talk about that. I had the Fastback. What'd you have? Nice. Uh, I did not have the Fastback. I had the regular, like the, what was it? It was like the, I don't the remember. Two door. I mean, yeah, the two. It was a two door. Okay. There's the, Moving on. Um, back to your back to your Neverland Ranch experience, running out of gas. By the way, well planned. And well yeah, planned. right. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, wait. This is the thing. The gas gauge didn't work. Right. It was a sixty oh, hours thing. Right. The gas yeah. gauge didn't work. So it was always a guess on how much we had. Um, but uh, yeah, we went went to the ranch. The, did the birthday party. You could go to the zoo. We watched a movie theater in the in the. We watched Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg in that movie theater that he had. That like, there's all sorts of stories about. I can't tell you anything weird that happened because nothing weird happened while I was there. Um, Michael Jackson, for all I know, wasn't even there. Right? I don't. If he was, he didn't yeah. show us. He didn't show himself. But uh, it was a pretty cool experience. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you know, they just sold that freaking place. Did I you see? I did. A hundred million dollars. The guy got it for twenty. Now tell me that. that land isn't worth like 50 at least, right? He's going to put up Neverland condos and make 40 yeah. million dollars, right? Yeah, it's way, it's pretty far out there, but I mean, people will but, live wherever, right? You know? Yeah, you just leave the Ferris wheel or something and everybody will be like, oh, I live in Neverland. Yeah. 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 Well, so you, to my point though, was he wearing a caftan? I don't, I don't remember. I just remember he, he was, he didn't look great. And he was, yeah, it, my memory feels like he was wearing like a velour suit or something that was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. all one color and yeah, quite pretty famous basic. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us about your Mustang before we start? We, Cause I know we were going to do a like wrap up episode on 2020 and I'm going to kind of take you, I'm going to kind of lead that and make you tell me some things and I'll probably share some things too, but do you want to share? It sounds, about it sounds adversarial the way you, you said you want, it. Uh, <laughs> what I want to do is I want to, I want to uh, praise Allah, Jehovah, God, and uh, the great, the great spirit for our election results, because I'm so mm. excited that, um, at what has transpired today. I'm also, I'm very excited about it being, you know, January in 2021. It's horrific about the, the pandemic and, and what's happening in California, but especially Southern California, which I assume includes your whole entire family and everybody, you know, um, so we can talk about that. We can talk about any of those more topical things. And then, um, you know, officially for reals, the ICF is now only using the new core competencies. So there's that. What else is happening? I think everybody's sort of wondering what they're going to do with conferences this year, right? Including me, including perhaps you. Um, so we could we could 
point to any of those or we could just talk about us. What do you feel like? I mean, we could touch on all those things really quick. I, you know, it feels like you have an agenda. You were like, I don't really have an agenda. <laughs> so, no, I just, I, I just got present for a minute and all the things going on. It'll pass. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the the election thing is a really, you know, I, I want to say I don't spend a lot of time every day looking at politics because it, it just doesn't serve my life, but I pay attention. And I was, I had the news on last night watching them count votes and, you know, and I said to, I said to my, uh, my friend this morning when I was seeing the, like the kind of more finalized results coming in, I was like, man, you put a chip on certain people's shoulders. You know, you put a chip on Stacey Abrams shoulder and she's like, I didn't get, I didn't, I might not have won the governorship, but this state is mine. That's right. And it was a such, and obviously it's not just Stacey Abrams. I just don't know the names of other people, but like, it just reminded me of, man, you have a, a black man and a Jewish man being a, like, probably being elected to the Senate in Georgia. 33. Yeah. And like, we think about the things that we can't do and we accept <laughs> those things. And this, I like when, well, I think it's his name's Warnock, right? Like the, the Reverend, Reverend, Reverend Warnock. Warnock. Yeah. He's, you know, he's at um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, old church, right? He's yeah. And when I, well, I heard him like talk for a minute last night and he was talking about how his family was like picking cotton for other people and he's yes. elected to the Senate. Yeah, I was like, right. oh my God. Like that is unreal. And and then I can, how dare I sit in a seat anywhere and think I can't do anything. Yeah. And his mom, right? 82 years old. And she is the one that used to pick the cotton and she yeah. had to vote for her son to be the Senator from their state. How amazing. So cool. Yeah. Just stunning. And Ebenezer Baptist church. Amazing. Right. Just extraordinarily heartwarming after a period of non heartwarming. Yeah, I have, I have, I have like a lot of concerns or feelings about how, you know, the government now can, can swing the pendulum like all the way is like, could likely swing the pendulum back all the way the other way. And how for some reason, for some things that will be great, and there will be for some things that won't be great. And if we're not actually conscious of that, in four years or eight years, we're going to do the same, some version of the same thing again. Right. Not, Right. Not because there's going to be like more conservatives or more Democrats, but like you and I know from coaching, we can't just fl keep flipping the coin over. Like we just don't end up going. We just we it's like we go forward, we go back, we go forward, we go back. And so while I'm I'm, I'm really excited about what happened, I'm also like, well, how are we going to do this different? So we just aren't in the same spot eight years from now with somebody that makes Trump look great. Yeah, thanks for saying eight. But, you know, the election will be in four years. Um, but it's a it's a. Fair point. You know, I think we're going to see some demonstrations today and some last gasps. And then theoretically, we get to go through a period of actually focusing on some of the more important things like, oh, I don't know, a pandemic that's killing, you know, thousands of people every day. Right. Somebody yeah. somebody in L.A. County, I think, dies every 15 minutes these days. Thir no, 30 seconds. Somebody in Los Angeles. Holy crap. I read so, this like two nights ago. 30 one person in every in 30 seconds. So, you know, there are some clear priorities, the infrastructure in the country, the, the, um, and at the same time, you know, what a great exposure we've had to all the chinks and cracks and gaps in the system, right? So we need to really rethink, either update. Did you see today's New York Times has a, a, an op-ed from the people who are in charge of the Electoral College saying, hey, 
we don't have to get rid of the electoral college, but we at least need to upgrade it to modern day standards because it's basically the same as it yeah, was in yeah. you know the 18th century. And um and to have those people say, you know, we could get rid of this or we could upgrade it, but please let's do something just indicates how much uh infrastructure in our government needs to be addressed. Yeah, we do this weird thing. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was a it was a US history major because mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out what else to do when I was in college and I didn't want to be there. And I actually yeah. for whatever I assumed reason, it was physical ed. Okay. <laughs> um for whatever reason I just enjoyed reading about history. So it was like a it was just like okay this is an easy choice. But one of the things that I noticed that we do is, right, America was developed on like this, these really strong principles of like, hey, these things are our foundation. But then this other side of like, this is an experiment, right? This was like, a, the, this was a, this was, a, America was an experiment. Well, experiments, you modify, you adjust, you don't run them the same forever. You, you would run them the right. same for a certain amount of time. And then you'd go, oh, we got some results. Now let's adjust the ex- experiment and keep going or try again or whatever. And it it seems like we do this weird thing in this country where we, it's again, that flip the coin. We're either like so committed to the original things, like we can never change the constitution. And it doesn't say that. And that's like saying, because you had the first cell phone, we should never upgrade to like another way as more things come out because that was the original model and we should stick to the original. And at the same time, like, how do we honor the brilliance in some of the original things, but also go, hey, we have the the founding fathers never could have foreseen jets and helicopters and cell phones and the internet and Facebook and all these things that shift the way that what, what is or isn't possible. I'm just making a list of... Okay, so so let's say for a moment that you're the new president with the new uh, Congress, right? And a, a either an equal or a slight majority for your party. What are your first, I don't know, 10 priorities? I probably spent four years making Mitch McConnell look like a loser. That's probably where I start. <laughs> that's that's just vendetta politics. We don't, there's no room for that in our party. No. So, I, just feel, so I feel like that's what he spent his time doing yeah, to everyone exactly. else. Um, and he's really good at it. No, uh, I think... Oh man, I don't know if if you're if you to put me in that spot. I think the first thing we have to look at is like um wealth inequality. Because there's just too many. I know we could like say there's like so many things that are in, in unequal like whether it be education or racial inequality, but we have there's so much money. Right? I think you agree with me like money is not scarce. There's a lot of it but it's simply disproportionately distributed at the current time. So I'm not saying like, I don't think we should take money away from rich people and give it to poor people. That doesn't make sense. It'll just end up going back where it came from, but we have to find ways, I think, to educate, train, support people that don't have resources. And I I'm using money, but like that includes shelter, food, clean water so that, the the people that do have it can we can support them but also they can we can shift their mindset we can shift their 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 education so that they're able to actually come up and we like i want to say like the scale's not so unbalanced to me if if that was possible then then that could lead to like all these other things like shifting also um 
that might be the first place I would start, but then I would go, then I'm looking at like education is probably part of that. I mean, that's a mess. Um, uh, obviously racial inequality, sex inequality, things like that. Um, yeah, I think also the idea that like freedom doesn't mean you can, we, I think we have to re look at the, I, the word freedom doesn't mean you can do whatever the hell you want, whenever the hell you want. That's actually not freedom. That's chaos. So what do you, what do you think? Um, obviously, you know, and, and, uh, probably with goes without saying, but pandemic first, climate change second. Uh, I love what you pointed to about wealth inequality and education and racial and gender uh, disparities or inequalities. Uh, healthcare immigration got a chance to make a difference there. I think you got to go after Citizens United and the Electoral College. You know, infrastructure, clearly um, term limits, judges and the Supreme Court. Like, let's actually get some term limits on everything, including potentially the Supreme Court. Like, you know, it doesn't, I don't know that the current system makes any sense to appoint people for life. Um, And certainly not from a political perspective where you can block the other person. So let's, you know, create an equal playing field where, I don't know, every, everybody gets to name one or something. Do you know what I mean? Or every 10 years we turn over the, the management of the team, <laughs> something. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think there's a long list of priorities and I think there's a lot, do you know that uh, Trump's first act as a resident was to issue an executive order allowing coal ash to be dumped in open streams and rivers? Right. The first thing he did on the first day. So there's a lot of those things that just need to, you know, those executive orders that just need to be either reversed or addressed because you cannot both, you know, destroy the climate and address climate change or destroy the ecology and address climate change. Anyway, you know, and everybody's going to be focusing on the economy while while we're digging out of this horrific pandemic that's decimated so many people's livelihoods. So there's a lot of work to do for sure. Anyway, maybe, maybe not ideal for our show to have so much political content, but I think it's a fun game to play or smart to have us invite people to look at where they would address things because it gives us to your point about Stacey Abrams, it gives us some focus on where we should put our energies, even if we're not president or Senator or something. Right. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's, you know, I had when after George Floyd was murdered, I had a conversation with my coach and I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not the guy who's going to be out in the street protesting. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not how I feel I can make a difference. And I think that's an important thing for everyone to look at is everyone doesn't need to run for office. That's not like, that would be insane if we all ran, if everyone ran for office, everybody doesn't need to help people register to vote. Everybody doesn't need to be a podcaster, right? Everybody doesn't need to write articles. I think the key is that you find where you want to make a difference and then you insert yourself there in the way that serves you. Cause if, you know, if, if you put, if, if I forced myself to go to protests, it's not going to last. Cause that's just not, I don't want to be like around tons of people in person. Like, and that's just not even pre pandemic. That's just not my, it's just like not how I am and it doesn't serve me, but there are things that serve me that are long lasting that I can keep going day in and day out where there's somebody like Stacey Abrams. Clearly she's like kind of built in whatever way, like her mindset, her determination, she's built for this, like boots on the ground, making things happen with the people. 
Um, and everybody isn't, and that's normal. So I think that's an important reminder for people to look at. It's like, you don't have to do what you saw someone else do that makes a difference. You just have to find what you can do that would make a difference. It's a great, it's a great message and reminder, but man, we got to give some props to Stacey Abrams because talk about a long-term vision and fulfillment of it, right? I just want to put that person in charge of everything. <laughs> like anything you want to get accomplished. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. And you know, what a, what a leader for the future. Cause that, that powerhouse has a lot more in the tank. I'm thinking, so, you know, if we can continue to benefit from her leadership, that would be amazing. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about today before we get to a uh, year in review or is it, or is it the, the year ahead? What do you want to look at? Past I want to, I want, so I have some questions I wanted to ask you that, um, that I want to look at from, you know, this show is the coaching show and a lot of the people that listen are coaches. And I, I think they'd listen for wisdom, for knowledge, to learn from you, from the guests. So I have some questions that I wanted to ask you. And if you want me to answer them, I'm happy to also. I haven't thought right, about you it. You can count on it. Yeah. We're both um, question askers, right? It's going to be but, great. But I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to see what, I wanted to see some takeaways that you could provide that might help coaches or support coaches as they move into like this next year. Cause I'm really present to like, Hey, I get it. We changed the number on the calendar, but nothing's going to be different if you don't do something different. It's just gonna, you know, it's not like 2021 is going to be your best year ever. Cause you just sat around and we're like, great. It's not 2020. Something else has to happen. Um, so I'm curious what we can get, what we can take from, from you and whatnot. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the, the first one is kind of, I don't know if you know this right offhand, but do you think there's a number one lesson, like from a coach, from a coaching lens, from a from a CEO, from an entrepreneurial lens that you learned in 2020? Sorry, it takes so long. You know, I probably should have prepared for with the questions in advance, but the, you're getting the real thing, the real deal. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get graded. Don't worry. I think that I think that for. I, th I think I've got a leadership one and a coaching one. So from for leadership, and again, I point to the very erratic, very inconsistent, extraordinarily for most of our values, horrific leadership we've experienced in the country. You know, the the supporting somebody one minute and then not supporting them the next, the, you know, being in one conversation and then completely switching, supporting one bill and then being against it. I think what we've, I think the one takeaway for me is how um, fragile leadership can be and that we should never take leadership for granted. I think we also need to be really clear about what we mean by leadership and the opportunity to lead others from a values place where it's a privilege and a, and a responsibility or an obligation you know, a duty almost, as opposed to an ego-based thing. I see a lot of people supporting the egocentric, character-driven leadership that we've seen that's completely erratic, you know, and, and always has been. Like, you can go back to the TV show that he was on, and he would just, you know, fire people willy-nilly and based on rumor and innuendo. So um, the cancer that is gossip reputation and that leadership needs to be based on values, clear and articulated and living documents like 
a mission or a vision that's actually valuable instead of what you know. And I know is that you walk into any organization and they've got what they say on the wall, but then there's what's really going on. And to do that kind of work, that deep work, I think also the, the latent awareness of racial and other inequities, uh, you know, for BIPOC people, as well as gender non-conforming people, as well as just, you know, gender conforming women, right? Like everybody becoming so much more aware has been such a blessing and a, an opening for many of us, including you and me, to do deep work in our own beliefs and our own understandings of power dynamics and our own understanding of our identities and other people's. Um, so I think that's all on the leadership side. In terms of coaching, I think that um, the lesson that I've been learning and sharing again and again is very simple, which is, you know, I've, I've, I've long said coaching is simple, otherwise I couldn't do it, right? Uh, and that we need to be, to build our business and to keep our industry strong, we need to practice stamina, continual, repeatable processes, you know, things that we we keep being us and we keep doing the work that there is to do and not faltering or not changing our mind or not joining the circus. And then secondly, resilience, building our own resilience so that when something does happen like a pandemic or like a, you know, a result that you don't want or a diagnosis or anything, that we've got something to draw on to weather those storms and whether that's a financial storm in our own business. I think many of us that work in the organizational world, for example, saw that in uh, March and especially April, all the contracts went away, right? Everything got canceled. And suddenly we we're, whoops, wonder what I'll do with my time now. But that ability to be resilient all the time, as you well know, physically requires attention. And I, I assert that spiritually and, and business-wise, it also requires our attention. Was that too much of a long-winded answer? Did I lose you? Did you go to sleep? No, no. You actually made me think of some things myself. Cool. So no. What's your, what are your answers? And uh, once again, the question is, number one lesson or takeaway from 2020 for you? I, so all the, throughout the whole year, I would have said, we always need to be able to pivot. Like we need to, at any moment in our lives, be able to shift gears, change, turn, flip, whatever, and, and do that anywhere from relationships to, you know, like your relationship's going well, something happens, it's not, you need to be able to pivot and go, let's go to therapy. Or, you know, you, like we were, people were so rigid often to just keep doing things the way we've been doing them because they may have worked or maybe we just are comfortable that when we get thrown a curveball. I don't know if you remember major league. It's like all you just get to throw in a curveball, and like Joe, the guy could not hit it no matter what. He could not adjust. Um, but at the end of the year, I actually realized what the biggest lesson was for the year. Um, and you touched on it a little bit. And it hit me. I was watching a documentary right around the end. It was like, I don't know, it was New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. It was, I don't remember, but it was right around the end. And Seth Godin said, we think success looks like blank. And it was like house, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, this is not a quote, but it was like houses, cars, money. And he goes, success actually looks like a pile of garbage that you're standing on top of. All the blogs that you wrote that nobody read, all the free sessions you gave, all the sales calls that they didn't answer or they did that they said no, or they said yes. And it was so clear to me how he said it. And the way that it was, was, this was a year that 2020 was a year that shined a magnifying glass 
on all of our like weaknesses, our weaks, but like as a society, as a culture, as individuals. And so the, and the lesson for me is, you know, I grew up, I feel like I grew up in a generation where everything was fast, instant gratification. Like we growing up, not only did we get the internet basically when I was like in junior high, high school, but it seemed like we could get rich quick. We could make money quick. We could get popular and famous quick. Yeah. And that's only gotten exacerbated more. And I notice my uh, subconscious mind is constantly beating me up for that. Like, oh, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough things. No matter what I do, it's never, it's never enough because of that lesson. And I got really clear at the end of the year that not just for me, but that so many of my clients and the people around me were just, we're really just building that pile of trash. And as long as you keep adding more pieces to it, you will be successful in whatever your version of success is, um, which was for me was a really deep breath of like fresh air and a great reminder. But yeah, that was, that was my for sure biggest takeaway. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. You want the next one? I just want to follow up and say, so what's different in your life because of that? Well, I think I was getting restless with, I I realized last year how much of a creator I am. Like I am constantly creating and whether it be courses, podcasts, writing posts, you know, whatever. I, there's always something I'm like creating out of thin air. And I, I, when they don't, when like they don't are, when they're not home runs, I relate to them as failures and I wasted my time or I shouldn't have done it or I should be doing something else or I should be copying what someone else is doing. And so for me, it was like, no, this is, this is actually who you are. Keep creating. And it's like, we don't know when, how many things did Oprah do before we found out who Oprah was, right? You know, like she was on so many shows. She quit jobs because of, you know, issues with, with men or race issues. And, and we could say this about like Michael Jordan or 
any anybody great, I would assume, is like how many things did they do before we actually found out who they were? And so for me, it's it's it was really a clear reminder that this year is to just continue to do those things. So it's like I'm not gonna stop doing podcasts, even though I haven't become, you know, like a Seth Godin or a um Joe Rogan. That like I don't know what podcast I'll release that might put me in that category. But if I stop, I'll never find out. I can't stop writing because I don't know what book I write or what quote I do will become like the bestseller or the thing that actually changes everything. I can't stop giving sample sessions or can't stop coaching people because I don't know what client I have that's going to spark that might write for run for office or do something great that might change something. Um, that I have to continue to follow the things that I'm passionate about. And essentially, I don't know if you remember this line. There's a line in Conversations with God where God says to uh, Neil Donald Walsh, the only difference between humans and God is while we both create, you're the only one that has expectations of the results. And I'm like really present to like stop caring about the results and just keep creating. And like all that rest will take care of itself. I love that so much. I just want to let it sit there for a minute. All right, what's next? That was beautiful. Thanks. What did you do? This is like a specific like business client question, but what did you do different in 2020 to get, to generate business or get business from like a coaching client perspective? I think I, I think I, uh, this is lame, but I'm, I listen differently. You know what I mean? I used to, I remember I'm, I'm 27 years in as a, as a full-time professional coach and I've gotten so used to listening from a little bit of hustle to, to have clients, right? You know, this feeling of like, oh, you know, if I'm talking to somebody, they should probably, I really want them to not only like me, but sign up, right? And so over the years, I've sort of gotten more relaxed about it, but it's still kind of the steady hum in the background is, you know, let's get this client into some, let's get this person into something. And um, I think I listened differently because this year I, I've shared with you that I pared down my practice again, like I pared it down before. And now I've pared it down to, uh, you know, very small practice, but only people I want to, you know, uh, work with and only people that are willing to pay the price that I'm charging. Right. So it's been a uh, very different mindset for me. And I find myself going back all the time to that hustle mentality of like, oh, we got to get them. No, we don't have to get them. Let's see what's right. And from, from a non-anxiety or non-fear-based place, it's such a different conversation for me. You know what I mean? I'm saying a lot of the same stuff, asking a lot of the same questions. But for me, the, the experience is very different. Does that resonate for you in any way or not? Not so much. Absolutely. I mean, the first, I want to say f three, four years of being a coach was like, do, do, do hustle, hustle, hustle. You can't take your foot off the gas. You got to keep going. And I actually allowed 2020 to be a year that I leaned back. Like I, I was like, this is what the universe is telling us, like slow down, lean back, relax. And so I simply, I did, I did much less in terms of like lead or client generation than I probably ever have. And yet my practice grew bigger than it ever has. Um, the, the thing that I 
the thing that happened different for me with clients though, was something that I never would have expected. I was running around trying to get like statusy kind of people like, Oh, I need like the CEOs or I should work with athletes or right, you know, like, yeah. like people that like, look, it's like, looks fancy. And the clients that showed up for me in 2020 that I was able to show up for were blue collar, mostly blue collar men. And, but they were like blue collar men that owned the company. So like a, the, the contractor who owned his own contracting company, the plumber that owned his own plumbing company, the lawyer that owned his own little law firm. I don't know if a lawyer counts as blue collar, but it's probably more white collar, but, but still like he was in the, he was in the trenches doing the work, you know, he didn't have like a whole firm. And I loved working with them. I'm still, I mean, I still am working with them, but like I fell in love with working with these men and some, there were a few women too, but who were like work with their hands, who are like kind of in the, the trenches of life, doing the things behind the scenes that make life work for all of us. I love that they were open to not just getting the financial results that they wanted, but they were open to growing as men or as women, as people, improving their relationships. I love the way I could talk to them. Like that we could talk, like it didn't, I noticed if, if you showed up and you were my client and you're a CEO of a company, I would think like I have to talk to you a certain way because you're a CEO and you show up in a suit. But the guy who shows up and owns the plumbing company or the contracting company, while I get to bring professionalism, I also get to talk to him just like a guy that I know. And that became really fun. And I realized in that, like, it's not that there's a right or wrong way to talk to people. It's that, I mean, I learned when I was training with you, it's like, we actually have to meet people where, they are, where they're at. If I talk to a carpenter, like I talk to a guy who sits in an office in a suit, it just doesn't connect. Um, so that opened a door to a whole realm of people that I never knew I would enjoy working with that suddenly I'm like, I absolutely would take these kind of clients. They're really fun. Yeah, there's an ancient book called The Millionaire Next Door that talks about mm -hmm. that, how you know most of the people we lionize or revere are not the millionaires, right? The millionaires are the people who run the plumbing company, right? And they built it by being the plumber and then hiring another guy and another person and another woman and another you know plumber until they had a company. Well done. I appreciate that very much. You know, I noticed that uh, one of the things I've done is I've moved to a fancy neighborhood, right? I told you I bought the big house and, you know, I, I basically reordered my life from making sure my kids' lives were set up to, you know, more enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. For myself and my wife. And, um, man, the, today I was out for a walk and I noticed, oh, these, these people that I'm running into and saying good morning to and like that are different than in my old neighborhood. Because back there, it was like you're talking about people at work and people that, you know, go to a job and they don't have time for stuff in the morning because they got to get to work, right? And the people that I run into now in my fancy neighborhood are like, they're not going anywhere. You know, they're out for their morning walk because then they're going to do their routines, but it's not the same. And they're the, you know, stylized tracksuit wearing, like, you know, people and and I noticed the difference mostly in standoffishness and a little bit of um, a little bit of clubbishness, like good morning. Oh, good morning. Do you know what I mean? Like, aren't we all in the same cool club? And then I was walking down in a in more of a beachy neighborhood and I saw somebody drive by in a Bentley, you know, and not only a Bentley, but like with the matte black, you know, super cool finish. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, there was a time when I would have looked at that Bentley like, oh, my God, someday that'll be me. And now I look at that like, oh my God, what a person on the wrong path. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that money could have gone to feed some humans or clothe or be educate or, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? Where's your, where's your Prius <laughs> or something like where's that? Where's your Prius? Um, um, I don't know what that says other than I'm, I'm judgy, but what do you take it? No, that's funny. Cause I got, I, I, you know, I mean, I shared with you, I got a new car this right, like towards the end of 2020. Um, and I had always been someone who it's like, I had to have like an Audi or I had to have something that like, you know, it had, it had a like logo that looked good. And I had those cars when I lived in LA and I didn't even make enough money to afford them. And after doing this, like working on myself, you know, I, and when I came, moved back to California, I ended up getting like a Subaru and it was like practical. It was like, I was dry. I was in the desert. I was in the mountains. I was in the snow. I needed a car that had four wheel drive. It like made sense. But I never like felt like it was like my car. It felt like right for the life I was living. And so it kind of came, my my lease was up and it came time to get a new car. And I started going back to that place. Like, oh, I need a, it's like, how successful am I? And I realized like all I, what did I really want? I wanted to have a car that was open and outside. Like I wanted to be able to enjoy the sunshine of San Diego. And that all that mattered to me was like, I don't drive that much, but that when I do drive, I want to have like be in an open vehicle. And um I act, and I ended up getting, I bought a Mustang convertible that was, is like, basically was like a swap. I like swapped my car for like the, like the equivalent. Um, and some, when I, at first I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like that guy with like a Mustang and a convertible. And I quickly realized, like, I feel so good when I'm like in this car, like with the top down and just sitting in the sun, like I could just be like sitting in the the parking lot with it. Um, that it's so silly, right? Like the car is the car, but it's like, to your point, like you brought this house for your enjoyment. It's like, I bought something that I actually enjoy. And like, who cares what anyone else thinks or what anyone else thinks? Um, it just simple, some of those like simple pleasures. Um, that's what I was getting. Like, you know, even, even actually where I live, I live by the bays in San Diego and there's a part of me that sometimes is like, I should have a house, you know, I have this good business and I'm this age and I should be living in a house and, you know, all these things. And then I realized like, I kind of love where I live. I walk to the Bay, like all the time with my dog. It's like a block away. You know, I live in with, I live the community of people that live around me are supportive and kind and up to cool things. Like, and yeah, you know, I have, I have like, especially in the year like 2020, where we're not all like out, like my neighbors, I have relationships with them that we're like all friends. Like how that's so, I've never had that before. Um, and so there's some of these like simple things, like loving my car, loving my neighbors, loving the the space that I'm in, even if it's not the, it doesn't look like the picture of what I thought it was supposed to look like. Beautiful. Um, Let me ask you one. What, yeah. What's the book that you've read that's the most um, interesting or valuable for you this year? Well, it's always, I mean, I read Conversations with God every year. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, I, I just finished it on like January 3rd for probably like the sixth or seventh time. I don't know how many, I don't even know how many times I've read it. Um, I actually bought a new copy because there was so much writing in the margins. Like I needed more space because I'm always writing in it. You're like, this book's a mess. <laughs> so for sure, Conversations with God. Um, um, I think, I don't have it. Um, it was a book on like, it was a book on a guy who's a, he's a doctor. I just loaned it to someone. Um, 
He's a doctor, but he is, hold on, I'm going to grab it. Um, it's called The Illumination Process. It's by a guy who has a PhD. Do you know this book? I've seen it. I've not read okay. it. It's, uh, he's a guy who has a PhD in like, you know, cultural studies and whatnot. But what he did was he went and studied like shamanism from like uh, tribes in South America. And he brought, and essentially he brought back and he writes about it and he teaches about it. And I thought that was one of the, that was probably the coolest and most powerful book that I read, I think in 2020. What about you? I uh, just heard from a friend of mine that is still reading a book a week. And I'm like, who the hell, man, I'm so envious. Um, I reread some things. I read some new stuff. Uh, I reread Essentialism by McCown, M-C-K-E-O-W-N or something like that. An amazing book. I read Peak, Ultra Learning. And, you know, I'm enjoying uh, Barack Obama's A Promised Land these days because not only is it, you know, the I, I'm not unlike you, I'm kind of a history geek uh, when it comes to like presidential stuff, but there's so much um, introspection that it, it actually reads for me like a leadership manual, you know, or at least yeah. a leadership memoir, right? That's my, my mom actually just reached out to me like two or three days ago saying that she's listening to it on Audible and she's loving it. And she was, and I was like, I, I mean, I can imagine it's great. And you're like, mom, have you, have you listened to my book? <laughs> she, it's, it's funny. Every time I tell her, I list, I'm reading conversations with God. She's like, oh my God, she hated it. She was like, wow. I couldn't get through that. She felt like it was like pretentious or something. <laughs> um, well, she's not wrong. You know, a lot of the great writers of our time, you know, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Nassim, what is it? Nicholas Nassim Taleb or whatever, you know, such an attitude, right? It's, oh, the guy who wrote the pro is it the prophet? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. That's Kill Kill Gibran. Oh. Talking about um, oh come on. I used to have him on my shelf, so I went to look, but uh uh I'll come up with it. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. Right. Uh, not coming up with it right now. Um, anyway, uh, go ahead. We're we're running out of time. We probably gotta get Okay, to I want to ask you a, a more the a personal one. What was the biggest takeaway or biggest lesson learned or um I'm looking for something around like love and like around your like personal life, your family, your wife, your kids. I know it's a kind of open-ended loose question, but I'm just curious what you see. How lonely I am and how I arrange my life to institutionalize the loneliness. Parenting, for example, right? Our whole job is to spend 24 seven with these knucklehead, you know, people who are adorable at first so that we get enrolled and then to sort of shape them into great people mm -hmm. so that they can leave. And what a crap deal that is, right? Right. When you're like, especially in my case, I'm going to be an old person. I'm going to need help and support. And right about that time, they're going to go. And, um, <laughs> you know, I noticed that it leaves me lonely because I'm anticipating that, or I'm remembering, reminiscing about how they used to, you know, they used to fit right up here and I used to go to sleep with them on my shoulder. Do you know what I mean? And now, or on my chest, and now they're like in their room and got no time for dad and stuff like that. But also in, in my relationship with my wife and my relationships with my friends. So I've started really treasuring my friends and scheduling time with them. And it's kind of weird, but, you know, I use the pandemic as a cover to like actually schedule happy hours with friends or, you know, 
time yeah. sit and do very much like what we're doing. You know, it's maybe a little less recorded, but nonetheless sort of exploring each yeah. other and learning each other instead of pretending that we know everything about each other. Same question back at you, Mr. Well, you just said something that is really cool because I was just texting with one of my closest friends and relatives who you also know very well. And we were talking about how lonely we often feel and how both of us are surrounded by humans. We might not like, like be surrounded by them. Like they live like in our space, like you have four that live in your space, but we have the community, we have the people. And yet we feel like really lonely a lot of the time. And I, I reflected back to her that I think a lot of people actually feel like this. I don't think it's a 2020 thing. Um, I think it might've, it might've magnified it a little bit, but I think a lot of people feel lonely, which is why social media is so massive. Um, and we talked about as coaches, how often it's easy to hide from your loneliness because you're with people all day long, your clients, your colleagues, but yet you still, it's just covering it up. And, um, that was, it was, first of all, I think it was nice to know that like, Hey, you're not alone in that feeling. Like it's actually part of, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's an emotion. It's a feeling we are allowed to be with it. And how do we, one of the things I've been doing recently is I used to hate to talk on the phone outside of like my clients and whatnot. Cause I felt like I was on the phone all day. I've started at night instead of like sitting down and like putting on a movie or reading a book, like when the words did like calling up a, like a really good friend that I feel like I can actually be vulnerable with or talk to and, and not like get coached or that kind of, but just like really connect with, and you know who the people are for the different kinds of conversations. And I just noticed since we had that conversation, the loneliness is like not as much present because I'm actually connecting with people to not to like fill that, that void. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that. I really like, I wouldn't have expected that from, from you. Uh, for me, the thing was I fell in love more in 2020 than in any other year in my life. Um, I fell in love like multiple times with, with women. I think I fell in love with friends. I told um, you I was taken. Yeah. Um, but I like fell in like re- in different forms. One of the things I think I learned in this year was that love is a spectrum. It's not like because I loved the person, the woman I was in a like really intense relationship with that like other relationships I was in, I couldn't also be in love. It just looked different. You know, it, it's not a, it's not like a one to 10 and one is less love than 10. It's, it's a, it's like, um, it's almost like a five dimensional thing where like they're, they're like stars in a, in a, in a solar system where this person, the love was like this. And this person, the love was like this. And the love that I have for my dog that I got during 2020 is a whole nother thing. But I, my, um, one of my big break, my breakthrough for 2020 for myself was love. And I thought it was to love myself. And I think what I saw at the end of the year was I actually did that work and I do love myself. And because of that, it allowed me to just like love so many other people. Um, to the point where I got also got my heart broken in 2020 more than I think I'd ever got my heart broken. Like, and again, that's on a spectrum too. They're not all like, not all heartbreak is, you know, some heartbreak is like a bullet through the heart and some heartbreak is like a bruise. It shows up, it looks really bad, but it kind of fades just as fast as it showed up. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, do you think you build, sorry, there's a follow-up to that. Yeah. 
Do you think you build resilience? Do you think that you're able to love more going forward, having experienced that love, including the heartbreak? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the same person we were talking about said to me yesterday, this is so much emotional labor. This, this doing this, like essentially living consciously feels can feel so emotionally laboring. And I was like, yeah, I just finished crying for eight minutes. I don't even know what I was crying about for eight minutes. <laughs> and it showed up out of nowhere. I, and I was like, but the, it seems like the more I, the way I relate to it is like the more I get broken apart, the stronger I get built back together. Like when we break bones, right. They heal stronger. Um, and so while the heartbreak really hurts and is a so, I used to just like ignore it or drink it away or whatever. It hurts so much more in a moment or for a few days or maybe for a long period of time that on the other side of it, it's almost like that mushroom journey. I explained like on the other side of it, there's so much more available. Like I can love deeper. I can love more. I think I even had the realization that um, through that, that, you know, since I met you, I've been practicing being all in in relationships and I've thought about being all in. I've talked about being all in. I've taken the actions to be all in. I remember that. And, and, and I've done it with multiple, with two different really serious relationships. And I had this realization right on the first, kind of the first of the year that I was actually was never ready to be all in. And that all the love, what gener what came out of 2020 is I'm actually ready. Um, and I think that's everything, right? If you want something to be different in your life, you got to change your thoughts, you got to change your words, and you got to change your actions. But the thing that you're doing might not show up till you're actually ready for it. And I was like, I wasn't ready. And I, and like, there was a knowing that I'm ready. And I think that came from all this love and all this heartbreak. Beautiful. I'm hearing the the desire. Uh, I'm hearing an interesting thing this morning from you, and and, and I know we're about to wrap up, so I don't want to um, belabor it. But there are areas where you are clear that you're large and in charge, where you're captain of your ship, master of your fate, and creating your life. And then there are areas where you're sort of um, like like you're surrendering to something larger. Mm -hmm. my reflection doesn't have any question attached to it. I'm just reflecting it. But I guess the question that I would ask is, uh, you know, we often ask people, guests on this program, what their parting thought or parting shot is. Are you ready to share with us a parting thought or a parting shot, something you'd like a few thousand coaches to know or think about today <laughs> or as we go forward this year? I feel like I've been, I feel like almost everything I've said today has <laughs> been like my, my big things. Um, so I took an intuition course from one of our guests this past year. And the biggest takeaway from doing that course with him was just to listen. Listen to ourselves, listen to God, listen to the universe, listen to your body, whatever it is. And at first it felt kind of silly. When I, when I started, like, they were like, close your eyes, light a candle, you know, open your intention to hear. And that combined with a few other things that happened in the month or two surrounding it, um, <laughs> um, that, that combined with uh, what was happening in the month or two surrounding it, that's my parting word is like, we just need to listen. You know, it might mean listen to your body 
what messages is it telling you? It might mean listen to that quiet voice that's whispering. It might mean listen when you're praying. Um, it might mean, you know, yesterday I opened up a book and I found a note that somebody had written me probably months ago. I don't know when it was written. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I found this right now. And like some people could chalk it up to coincidence, but I'm like, why did I find this right now? What is it? What am I supposed to take away from this in this moment? Um, I think there's messages all around us. And uh, if we keep our eyes open, we actually get to see we, our eyes, our ears, our, our, our vulnerability. We actually can hear them and see them. It's so beautiful. I'm so blessed to be able to work with you in this way. Thanks. So I think, remember six years ago when you met me? Woo! Not predictable. <laughs> Not predictable. Although you're every bit as handsome as you once were. Thanks. Um, Good I didn't lose that. <laughs> what yeah. about you? What's your, par- what's your parting words? You know, I've been, I've been thinking about this a little bit since I asked you. And I thought, oh, it's going to be something about legacy. And remember that you're um, bigger than you think. But I think that's more it. You know, the, the best people in my life have been people that shared a vision of me that was much beyond who I knew myself to be, right? And even today, my, my coach's favorite phrase is some version of, yeah, that's fine. Oh, except that you're a coach and a leader of this organization. So you can't actually come from that place. So what would coach and leader say? Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. continual reminders that I'm bigger and more of a genius and more of a capable and more loving and more, uh, you know, kind of the, the people our dogs think we are. Right. So if I could provide something to everybody, it would be to make sure you have people in your life that are reflecting that to you, challenging you, reminding you how great you are and loving you without condition or, um, requirement and enjoy, indulge, delight in that. And also maybe that as a, as a bonus, that life is precious and urgent, you know, and that it's important to enjoy today in this moment and not just be always working for someday. Yeah. We get those reminders too. I remember like last night seeing, I don't know if you saw this, like Dr. Dre was in the ICU for an aneurysm. And I just had this instant thought of like, this man is worth like a billion dollars. And he's 55. He's not like an old man. He hasn't lived his full life, you know, and he's, in, and he's in good shape. He's like in good shape. He's healthy. He's not like he didn't get shot. Like it was like this guy has like made an incredible this guy like left the, a dangerous world and created a, an empire for himself. And in a moment, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but like in a moment, it could be taken away. Um, it's like I think those some of those. It's for, I think for a lot of young people and people like, I don't know if a certain age and down, we just don't think about that. We don't think like, Hey, this, you could have a week left or a month left, you know? Yeah. Also, Dr. Dre, some incredible fat beats. (laughs) And on that note, it's been great to be with you, man. Uh, Do you have any idea what we're doing coming up? Anything to tease the people about with future guests? Uh, I mean, there's always, I think, you know, look, I listen to the show and I do this with you because it grows me as a coach, you know? So if I'm, if, if the, if you're listening to this for the first time or you're a coach that sometimes listens to this, you know, we're, we bring on 
some of the most successful, and again, success is measured in very different ways, but successful people in around money, successful people around coaching, education, training, corporate, ICF. Um, and every week I get to do this with you. And I feel like I got like a, you know, like a mini, it's like, I went to class for an hour. I happen to be like kind of leading the class in a way, but I also got to learn from the guests that, that spoke. So that's what I, that's what I'm excited about is just continuing that. Great. We'll be here each and every week of the coming year to bring you people out out on the cutting edge or just people you need to know about with coaching. That voice was Alex Terranova. You can find out more about him by going to thedreammason.com. Pick up a copy of his latest book, his only book, Fictional Authenticity, soon to be followed up by another major book. And um, Coming. I was working on it yesterday. (laughs) Nice. What else do the people need to know about you? inspirational Alex at, uh, on, the on Instagram. Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. I'm actually, yeah, I'm putting a lot of content there. Um, but also the, the dream sorry, the dream, uh, the dream is the website, but, um, the dream Mason podcast. Um, I have, we just got, we just booked the founder of Reebok to come on. It is, uh, nice. me and my assistant slash producer are, doing some really cool things over there. So there's some really different kinds of guests than what we do over here. Congratulations and great work. All right. Uh, my name is Christopher McCullough. If you can find out more about us and the work that we do at Accomplishment Coaching by going to accomplishmentcoaching.com. Alex, thank you so much. What a great way to start off the year. A great idea, man. And uh, it's a privilege to work with you. Thank you so much. You too. Take good care. And our dear listener, thank you for being with us. We will be with you next week and every week this year. And uh, We'll talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.